0: The world of recruiting has changed so much. Think about the transfer report. You don't like the place you're at. You leave. And so you don't. You want that kid that's going to at least try to fight through it and push through to try and get on the field. You don't want the kid that you're going to pour into when you get on campus. And then as soon as it gets tough, he's gone. Because that's time you could have put into another athlete, coaching them, making them better. So my biggest thing is always going to be, grades, hey, how's his academic uh, And then just, how is he mentally? Because transfer portals, to me, it scares me because I don't want a kid to leave because you're not playing. That means I got the wrong kid. I didn't recruit the right kid or I didn't ask the right question. Do I really look like a guy with a plan?
1: Hello and welcome to Up Close in Personnel with Alex Brown. I'm your host, Alex Brown, and in a rather challenging week to post the pod, here we are. We went about 60 of the past 72 hours without power and water, but uh, thankfully the power's back on and the pipes are good. So this week's show was uh, interesting to record, recorded it a couple days ago, and um, just excited to be able to get this content out because... It was an honor and a privilege to have my good friend, Vincent Marshall, on the show. A former dual sport athlete in track and football from Ennis High School that went on to be an all-conference and record setter at the University of Houston, Vincent brings a wealth of knowledge on both recruiting and player development in college football. Currently the receivers coach over at Southern University, Vincent worked his way up from the high school ranks with stops at Bowling Green, Syracuse, University of Houston, where we cross paths, and Missouri Southern State before making the move to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We discuss his experiences as a student athlete, going from a walk-on to a scholarship player on the football team, how his journey both on the field and in coaching has helped him grow as an excellent recruiter, what he looks for in student athletes, and the questions he's asking throughout the process. Whether you're a coach, recruiter, player, or parent, This episode gets deep into the weeds on what colleges are looking for when evaluating prospects. From the game film to social media and conversations with high school coaches, we touch on everything that occurs within the recruitment process. So, before we start, make sure you subscribe, rate 5 stars if you like us, leave a review, share the podcast with a fellow coach, recruiter, player, parent. The focus of this show is to educate and inform so we can all make better decisions in recruiting and evaluating. Now. Let's switch it over to the show and my conversation with Vincent Marshall. Just hit a button, Morty. Give me a beat. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Um... Vincent Marshall, welcome to the show. How you doing, man? I'm great. It's, uh, it's been too long since we worked together, man. <laughs> it has, man. It has, too. How bad is the weather your way? Because it's uh, it's been interesting last 48 hours here in Houston. It's not too bad. Uh, we got a little snow.
0: I think the worst thing is really the, the sleet and the ice right now with water melting. It's still cold outside, but
1: not too bad here. So I have to ask this because you've dealt with you know, hurricanes and other storms and stuff before, because you're native to Houston is what it is. It's what we deal with. I puked my brains out because I didn't have coffee, and i I never realized how bad my addiction to caffeine was until yesterday. like it we go the whole day and you know, like the the power goes out at like one o'clock. And it was like one, two, three, I don't remember. We wake up at like four. And we're like, oh, crap. Like, we got to save, you know, our stuff, put it in a Gatorade cooler and all that deal. And you keep going throughout the day. And I'm like, man, I got a headache. You know, five o'clock rolls around. I'm like, yeah, I feel like, I feel bad. And you're trying to put on a good face. And, and she starts recognizing, she's like, what? my wife's like, what's wrong with you? You know, like, you sick? Like, what's, what's going on? I was like, I'm going to go to bed go to bed and like by seven o'clock, I'm throwing up everything I had for the day. So I can't go a day without coffee, as bad as that sounds. But like, what's one thing you cannot go without? And don't give me some lame football, I can't go without film for a day. Like something you cannot go without.
0: All right, so I I, I like, I love energy drinks, but there's only one kind of energy drink I would actually drink. It's bang and it's birthday cake is a flavor. I could drink that thing every day. And so in my fridge right now in my office, I have probably 24 cans of bang. Because I get up early in the morning, 4 30, I'm popping one in. Like, as soon as I get in the office, I'm, I'm drinking a bang and probably put some kind of positive
1: tweet out and then, boom, I'm, I'm, you know, go about my day. I feel like you're up before 4 30 at the office putting out a positive tweet. Well, I mean, I get to the office at 4 30. But
0: I'm all masked. I mean, I get up, read, uh just to try to start positive, man. Cause I think that's the biggest thing, especially like I'm really I really don't like getting up in the morning, but I do it because I don't like to get up in the morning. And I figured if I start liking it, hey, it's something that I didn't like that I enjoy now. So I'm still in the process of actually enjoying getting up, but that bang helps me every time I get up. Gotta have one.
1: I feel like the, the reading and like starting your day off in a positive mindset. And I, I don't feel calibrated if I don't do that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. I when just, when did that start for you? Um, probably when
0: I was in Missouri Southern. I mean, it was a rough season. I think at the time we had won one game and you could just kind of feel, you know, the tension with the team and just, you know, God, we're not winning. And I was just trying to find the good and everything at that point. Because, you know, I mean, we weren't winning. And so just decided to get up and just kind of start my day early. So when I got with the team, like, I could be as positive as I could be. Because, like I said, it was, I mean, it was a tough time as a coach. You know what's coming next when you're not winning, you know. So my biggest thing is if I could just be positive, I mean, maybe it would rub off on someone else.
1: Like that whole idea, of like you got to be able to lead yourself before you can lead someone else.
0: Yeah, you are kind of a hypocrite if you're saying something and you're not doing it. So I figured do it by example. And, I mean, and be sincere about it too. Like don't fake it. You know, what I mean? like be yourself, be sincere, and it'll rub off on guys. But if they think you're being fake, I mean, they'll take it as a joke, and so that was my big thing.
1: I kind of get to the point where. If I have to like, if I type out the tweet and I have to like look at it like for an hour and like try to talk myself into like, yeah, this ain't the one.
0: I I just save mine. Like I, I literally like I just score in my drafts. I've got probably fifty things in draft. Well probably not fifty, probably thirty. But just things I wrote throughout the day and just stuff you see and, and every now and then I'll put it out. I mean, but my biggest thing is like I'm I'm terrible at proofreading. So I usually have to like ask my wife, hey, does this sound right before I put it out? Because I put some tweets out and I looked at them, I was like, I'll delete this.
1: One. Yeah, when you first got there, I've I've noticed the the grammar's really picked up recently.
0: Oh, no question. No question. It's got a proof for you, man. Gotta proof for you.
1: So I kinda wanna start off a different place. Really wanna talk a bunch about recruiting. Um obviously we've we've had experience at UH. I learned so much from you, but kinda wanna start from your days as an athlete, going through the recruiting process. We've talked about it off air before, but for all the listeners, you know, you were an undersized receiver, really productive at a winning program and a dual sport athlete that was, you know, balancing track and football. So what did that process look like for you and how did you make it work? Well, I mean,
0: football wise, um, it was, I mean, then it was totally different. Like, I didn't have a cell phone when this happened. Like, cell phones were not – I didn't have one. We had a house phone. So that changed the entire game just to start from there. Uh, coaches would always call the house, and I mean, you'd always have to go to my mom. She was big on that. because she, uh, she didn't want to be overbearing, but she also didn't want to have her son, like, uh, listen to a coach tell him lies. So the biggest thing for her – when it came to recruiting was to make sure you understood the school, not just the coaches. Because she always had this huge saying, coaches get fired every day son." you know. So uh, she really wanted me to do my research on the schools that I wanted to go to. And and she also told me, hey, you know how much you weigh, you know how tall you are. Um, As you're being recruited and really as you're playing the game, you need to look at yourself as an illusion. Like you need to play bigger than you look. And so, uh, when it came to coaches, I mean, they would always call her, they would talk to her, and then I would talk to them. And I was getting uh, recruited by a lot of smaller schools. So, Abilene Christian at the time who was a D3, uh, getting recruited by those guys. That's when uh, Coach Carter was there. Um, Sam Houston State came around late. And uh, a couple of D2s, McMurray, you know, some smaller schools. But I was a track guy too. That's kind of where I knew – I had the best chance of getting a full ride, but, you know, with track. So that was kind of the route I took um, in recruiting. But I knew whatever school I went to, uh, I was going to play football there. I didn't. I never knew how. I just knew I would.
1: And so you got a scholarship for track at Houston, and you walked yeah. on. Technically speaking, mm-hmm. what was your mindset as a walk-on with like? huge chip on your shoulder because you're a confident dude walk us through like what the what the really the process looked like from when you stepped on campus as a walk-on to getting that scholarship switched over to football and you know being one of the leading receivers over there well I
0: mean going into a locker room as a walk-on when with 135 145 I mean you obviously the team probably cracked a couple of jokes, which understandable, I mean, those guys were at like, there were a lot of big guys in, in, at Houston. I mean, that was probably the first time I seen that many huge guys in one room. But uh, for me, the process really was when I stepped on campus, I always told myself, you know, once I walked on, like I was going to work hard and I was never going to regret the hard work I put into it. And even if I played or not, if I worked my tail off and I never played it down at university, like I would be okay with graduating. Cause I could say, Hey, I gave him my all and it didn't work out. I never wanted to say, man, I wish I would have did this. I wish I would have worked harder. Like that was never going to be my mindset when I went to university. It was just really uh, making sure that I at least gave it my all uh, before I either had a chance of not playing at all or having a chance to, you know, Get on the field and showcase
1: my skills. Did you ever have a moment where like you felt like, Man, this may not work out. I may just be having to stick on, on the track stuff.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That first that first summer football in past, oh, it was rough. Then the first year watching the team play, I mean, you wanna be out there and in my mind, like I should be out there. You know, I'm thinking that I should be out there, I should be out there. But also thinking like i gotta put some more time in i gotta i gotta work a little harder to get get out there but like it was rough i mean going in your your scout team you coming from a good high school program we won with two state championships while i was there i mean it's hard to go from like top of the world to like now you're in the valley trying to figure out and is this am i good enough because i mean next, i had all kind of questions when I was there you know Again, I always took it back to just you got to work. And that's the only thing you can do. You can say whatever you want. You can say I'm gonna do this, coach. But if you're not working towards it, you just puffing, uh, blowing hot air, really.
1: Yeah. Was there like a a coach on staff or like a player that pulled you under their wing? And there was like this. Was there like a moment, you know, where you felt like you turned the corner and you're like, all right, I, I got this.
0: Um. Brandon Middleton, he was a receiver there. And uh I remember him just kind of pulling me to the side and he told me something. And, I mean he still sticks with me. He's like, Man, you work hard, you got something. He's like, But you gotta keep working. Like it's it's not nobody's gonna give you anything. And I mean it always that always stuck with me because Brandon, you know, I, I looked up to him and he was a good receiver, like really good receiver at U of H. And uh Brandon always just Went on the field, he always worked. He just worked every day and it was it's hard not to see somebody like that telling you, Hey man, you got something, you just gotta keep working and then you just not continue to work. So I mean, it was hard. Again, don't get me wrong. I it was it was really tough. But when he when he told me that, I mean, I knew like I'm close, but I don't know what close was at the time. So I just figured if I kept working, you know what I mean, I would, you know. Again, I would at least give myself a chance to play. That's all I wanted, just a chance.
1: Yeah. And then, like, what what was the first – The what was that, that feeling like the first time you got elevated from really, like, being on the scout team to actually being on the travel roster, actually, you know, being in, in the squad and, like, ready to roll?
0: Oh, man, it was great, man. I remember I uh, signed my scholarship my sophomore year, you uh, know, calling my mom she was happy you know and I remember her telling me uh this is just the beginning so if you stop working now you've wasted all the work you've already put in so uh she's like you know she told me she was proud of me which you know it's my, I'm a mama's voice so obviously you want to hear that but just to hear her say like this is just the beginning you still have work to do like if you stop now you've wasted an entire year so um uh, and it felt good. It really felt good to just call her and tell
1: her I was going to Does that change like as you transitioned into the coaching side and you've been to a bunch of places, you've recruited at a bunch of places, regardless of being a GA or a QC or an analyst, whatever, you you've recruited at each of those places and built relationships. How is that experience of you really going from the bottom and earning it and succeeding? How has that changed kind of your outlook and perspective on what you look at beyond just the film, just the the measurables? Because I, I do want to get into like your process and how you evaluate guys, because I think you do a really good job of it. But from the mental side, how has like your experiences helped you look at and evaluate the the makeup of these players that, that you're recruiting? Well, I think uh, because I'm, I mean, I'm five
0: seven and three fourths. So i to make sure I add that little three fourths to it. Uh, I, I think I, because I'm, I'm a, I was a smaller receiver, like I still watch smaller receivers. Like I know a lot of schools I've been to is always about length and size. Now, with that being said, I like smaller guys that can run. But I mean, that's kind of where that was my skill set, and so uh, I don't know, it just makes me it makes me watch everyone because especially now with COVID, like if I put something out on Twitter and I say, Hey, drop your film, I'm going to watch your film. Like I'm going to give you that. I'm going to, I'm going to give you the highlights. I'm going to watch your highlights. And obviously I'm a game film type of guy. So it starts with highlights and then it goes into game film. So the process for me takes a little while, but I mean, that's, that's kind of what has helped me. I, I haven't had any misses because of it. And so, uh, this makes me eye all talent not just guys that are 66 six. now I'm, I'm i'm looking at those guys as well but
1: it just makes you uh
0: watch all them i would say that
1: i feel like there there's a lot of guys that are sub 59 and sub 170 that are just good football players and how do you how do you piece together which ones can make it, which ones can't? Like, is there, is there an emphasis that you put on, you know, certain extra sports or certain times, or is there kind of like, you know, at the end of the day, you're just going to go purely off the film. Like, I feel like there's such a high volume of them. It's hard. It's hard to stand out because sometimes they, they look the same, like a short scat back. Is he a running back? Is he a slot receiver? Can he return kicks? You have the same questions and the same conversation. Um, We've got a couple of those guys like Kobe Campbell. He started on a couple of special teams for us and Andrew Mason, he's 5'10", one. I'll give him 160, but he's not 160. You you know, like that was a 4'4", you know, 3'9", shuttle guy that played as a freshman because of, you know, he was ready to roll. But what are the things that stick out to you on the guys that make it?
0: I think I just look at I really go beyond the, the film. Like if I like your film, I want to do more research on you. Like I, I got to figure out how you are built mentally, because, um, like you said, when you watch so much film and you see, you know, your smaller receivers, a lot of those guys are jet sweep guys. Uh, they'll play a little bit in the backfield, like you said, and it's it's it really comes down to you know how those guys built mentally. Because they're gonna be smaller guys when they come on campus. They're gonna be bigger receivers. How 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 the, that guy gonna mix with the room? Because it's competition, and because you're smaller, it's already tougher for you because you have your smaller body. So you know what can you bring to the table? Obviously with your skill set, but like, how are you mentally really? Because uh, College football is a lot for anybody. But if you're a big receiver, uh, you're gonna be watched more obviously, but. The smaller guys, they got they have to bring. They got to be tough mentally. You want all you guys to be tough mentally, but like smaller guys, like we're gonna ask you to block. Will you block? Is that something you will do? Is that something you will try to be good at? Like, and you, and again, it just comes down to mentally. What well, what type of kid is? He? And I always I, when I talk to coaches, that's probably one of the first questions asked. How are your grades? I mean, I got to know how he is mentally. Hey, coach, when you coach some hard, what has happened? Has it? Dipped his chin, ducked his head, like, does he duck his tail? Like, what does he do? You know, those are questions like I always ask. And uh, you learn a lot when you start asking questions like that about a kid. Like, hey, coach, when you post him hard one day, did he quit on you? Yes. Then probably not the guy you want because there are going to be hard days in college football.
1: I like the fact that you use like scenarios when you ask questions. Is that is that kind of the way you approach? all of your calls with with high school coaches because it, if you just ask like hey is he tough uh yeah yeah he's tough you know and oh. it, you you get a canned response and you can tell immediately that you know that's something he's told 30 other colleges
0: yeah i always give scenarios cuz sometimes uh words or scenarios trigger pictures for coaches and they may go back and think about it. and i remember when and they won't tell me but man, i just remember coaching this guy tough he was having a bad day you know did he push through or did he go to the sideline and kind of dug behind some players? Like, you want to, you just want to know, you got to know this, because like I said, the, the world of recruiting has changed so much. Think about the transfer report. You don't like the place you're at, you leave. And so you don't, you want that kid that's going to at least try to fight through it and push through to try and get on the field. You don't want the kid that you're going to pour into when you get on campus. And then as soon as it gets tough, he's gone. Because that's time you could have put into another athlete coaching them, making them better. So my biggest thing is always going to be grades, hey, how's it, academic? Uh, and then just how is he mentally? Because the transfer portals, I mean, it scares me because I don't want a kid to leave because you're not playing. That means I got the wrong kid. I didn't recruit the right kid or I didn't ask the right question.
1: So then how do you recruit the kid that's now in the portal that you had a prior relationship with? A guy you knew a lot about in high school, and kind of fits what you're looking for, but how does that line of questioning change for you?
0: Uh, You just want to know why, that's the first thing. Hey, why are you in the portal? Like what brought you to the portal? What decision brought you there? So that's big because, you know, I've talked to kids who have been in the the portal and uh, some of them are like, well, I wasn't playing. You're like, "But you're a freshman. I mean, like you have time. To get better. Like, you, you got a red shirt year, and then you, four years after that, like, you just left because you would not playing as a freshman. I mean, and most of the time with those guys, I'll probably, I'll know for the most part, kind of how they're built. But uh, the portal is what scares me the most. So when it comes to those guys, it's really just learning why. What, what brought you to that decision?
1: Yeah. And when it comes to the game film side, you, you talked about it real briefly, um, how you're going to you know, identify guys that are worth your time to go into the game film off the highlight tape, and then you go and dive deeper. Profile tapes, I know you're a big proponent of them. You were a big proponent of them before we even met at Houston. So my question is, who did you get that from? And I know you've kind of made your own tweaks as far as how you – utilize that as a position coach. So can you talk about like profile tapes in the recruiting process? Uh, when I was at Syracuse. Our high school relations director
0: was uh, J.B. Jonathan Drill. We used to always just talk about, you know, in recruiting like, uh, man, highlights are, they're, they're highlights. Like, you know, ask someone, hey, let me see the, the low lights. Like you just say, hey, let me see the highlights. And so uh I just remember him saying, like, man, you gotta watch game film, man. Like, highlights are supposed to look good. Like, it's like uh it's like filters in social media, like it's supposed to enhance you. And so it's like you gotta you gotta watch game film because you see a lot of things during the game that you don't see on highlights for a reason. That's why you only get so many clips to watch. And you always get the best clips. And so uh I just remember going through watching uh his highlight film. He was a good player, but it was like little things, little things we saw on film. Um, like there was one time where he was blocking, and quarterback was running, and like he just stopped, he just stopped blocking. Or he, uh, there was a lot of drawing back and forth, and he was drawing back with one of the players who was like, "All right, cool," but then he's drawing back with the. Opposite coach, so you're 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 yelling at the opponent's coach. And he was like, ah, yeah, man, we may not be able to handle him, man. Like you got to contain that kid. And so, uh, but we would have never saw yeah. that on during the highlights. You're not gonna put that on your highlight. And so we just little stuff like that, man. Just you see so much during game film that you will never see in highlight. And so that that was some. That was probably a huge turning point for me. Like okay. I am gonna watch highlights. I do want to watch them. I wanna see if I want to look further into them. But uh after my highlights, I need to see game film if I like to So
1: yeah. A true cut up. And for the for the young recruiting assistant or recruiter that's listening to the show, how many plays does that look like per game that you break down? What what's your kind of approach to it? And I'm just going to add, I feel like the most overlooked thing is special teams oh. and the other side of the ball. I've, I've made the, the mistake of watching, like, say, a defensive lineman, amazing player this year, defensive MVP of his district. And, I mean, he was just dominant. And we get to the last game of the year, and he's, like, dogging it for, like, the second half. And I'm like, what is wrong with him? Like, I, I text the kid. I'm literally like, hey, were you hurt at the end of this game? He said, no, I was just really, really tired, coach. I was like, why? He was like, I was starting at center. And I had just filtered all the defensive snaps. And it happens to me, too. But what are some kind of, uh, you know, steps that you take when you're when you're doing that?
0: Uh, well, I like to go – first thing first, I want to look into his stats, if I can get stats for each game. I like to find the best three games and then the worst three games. And – Try to figure out, you know, his best three games. What did he do well? And they may be 10 clips a game, so 30 clips and all. Then go do the same for the worst three games, 30 clips. And you're really looking for, okay, why did he have a bad game? Was it because if he's a receiver, maybe he was double-teamed? Or maybe that's what took him out. Or did he have a bad day dropping the ball? Just say if he did, how was his body demeanor for the game? Did that change? And so, uh, and then uh, special teams. Love to see a kid who plays special teams. Now, for me, uh, if you play a ton of special teams and you're like a starter, like to me, you're like a you're not a selfish selfish player. Like you're for the team, and because you could easily just hey, I'm just gonna play receiver or DB and be good at it. But to play on special teams, you just you're showing to me more and more. It's your team player. And so, kind of how I go about it. I I think it's easier that way. And obviously, you have to add more time to recruiting. But I think to get the right guys and the right fit, you got to put the time. Just like you have to put the time into getting to know them.
1: Kind of my thought process. And the thing that I I feel like I learned the most from you about was how you go through somebody's Twitter handle. Oh, no question so <laughs> this is the 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 meat and potatoes of this interview um where do we start uh section no question you gotta see
0: what they like because i'm telling you i've been recruiting for a long time i feel and there are some likes where you're just like i've actually dm guys and said please you need to take this like down because this is not helping you out in any way and those kids didn't even know, like, some of them don't know that some of these likes are not helping them. And so, uh, you always go through the likes, gotta go through the likes, uh, and then you gotta go through what they tweet. What, what do they tweet about? Because as you get to know the kid, you will know that if this Twitter is a facade or if this, he really is. So as you get to know him and establish that relationship, you gotta I always look at his Twitter. And just see, you know, hey, does his actions and the way he speaks to me kind of match up
1: with the way he is on foot? What what are some examples of good and bad uh likes? Oh, that I've experienced?
0: Yes. Oh uh, okay. Uh, uh how, do I want, how do I want to word this? This is a receiver one time. I was uh obviously establishing a relationship, just getting to know kid yeah. and obviously he likes girls and i went through his likes, and there was not a like about any quotes anything positive it was strictly girls and some didn't have enough clothes on and i just remember telling the kid like this like this all you like like there's got to <laughs> be more to life than just this right and he's like oh and i was like Man, I'm just trying to help you. I said, you know, at the end of the day, like I want you to succeed, but there's got to be more to your likes than just girls with no clothes on. And I just remember me and him talking, and like he didn't think anything of it, it was like the girls clothes. And then we, you know, we established a relationship. We started talking more, and I just started telling him, like, think about it. Like, one day you're gonna have to date somebody, and you may have a child. If your child it happens to be a girl, which you like her putting those kind of pictures online, and I just remember the next week, all of those likes disappeared. I remember talking to him again. He's like, "Coach," and I didn't even think about it like that. Like he's just like, "Coach, I like girls." I was like, "I get it, I understand it," but you also have to just think like, do you have a sister? Would you would you be okay with your sister putting that kind of stuff online? And he just to him like he didn't think about stuff like that. He just saw a girl he liked her on Twitter and he pressed like. And I mean, I mean, it's not bad, but I mean, got a sense of yourself, man. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like, yeah. I really appreciate your, um, you have a heart for helping people. And when I first met you, I had no idea. You know, I thought you were just this slick recruiter guy and knows everybody and, you know, is, is you know, locked into the game. But as I got to know you, you've really been a huge, huge you know, mentor for me, somebody that's helped me through a lot of, you know, big decisions in my life, including, you know, coming over here to Rice. Um, when did that get instilled in you? Was that from your mom? Cause I know she instilled a lot of confidence in you, but you kind of have this approach of like, I can't out give. So I'm going to help out everybody regardless if I'm going to sign this kid or if I'm going to work with this person.
0: Yeah. I think my mom, uh she was always big on helping people. I mean, she was in the school system until so she passed away for God, I would say thirty-five years. And uh, she always, she would always tell me, just growing up, like you, you can be the richest man in the world and give people all of your money, and you have nothing. And so, before you can pour into someone, you have to have something inside. It's got to be bigger than just money because you can blow money at any time. So my biggest thing has always been just to try and help people. And I'm helping you with the thought process of you giving me nothing in return. Now, I still believe that I'm going to be blessed at the end of the day for it, but, like, I'm not helping you for you to give me something in return. And I I feel like, for me, like, that's something that I... Kind of like a hobby. I mean, like, I love football, but I love doing that too because um, maybe the person you help, maybe you're helping them Keep that same attitude, and now maybe they're able to help someone else too. So now you're really just paying it forward. But I mean, it's always been big for me. Like, I, I know at the end of the day, a lot of people I help, you know, they'll, I'll probably help them and they may forgive me. But some of those people may say, you know what, man, you know, Post Marshall help me. Let me help someone else. And if we just continue that cycle, I mean, now we're coming together and we have a lot of people that we're trying to help, and some people that, again, can't pay you back or uh don't have the means of even helping you. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just bigger than it's bigger than what someone can do for you. so that was big, man. I was like huge. Mama always said, you gotta help people because at the end of the day, like one day you're gonna need help. Yeah. And so, like I said, I don't do it to to get help, but I know I've helped people in the past and kind of just moved on with my life. And then something has happened, like even this job I'm at now that came from helping someone that came from helping the coach actually. And uh, I just remember calling me and saying, like, coach, uh, you need to go out to this Southern job. And I was like, ah, I don't know, man. You know what I mean? Like at that time, I was really enjoying my family. I was enjoying Houston. And so uh, I know I wanted to coach, but uh thought about going the high school route because my first job was a high school job. And so I just remember him Literally helping me out. I mean, I came, helped me get the interview. I interviewed, I got the job, but I didn't, I never thought helping him would help me out in the future. Like, it was never in my mind to do so. So helping people is always going to be big for me.
1: What was it about Southern, Coach Odoms, that made you pull the trigger? And to follow up on that as well, I, I think, we're kind of seeing a huge emergence of great coaches going in the HBCU schools right now, you know, prime times, the, the highlight name, but there's a bunch of really good coaches. I mean, Clarence McKinney, you know him well, oh, coach yeah. Odoms, you're over there. And I, you just sense like this, this, uh, a lot of momentum. And was it some of that momentum or was it just a, the relationship you had with that coach?
0: Uh, I really think that, I mean, for me, I, I don't know, like, I I feel like everything happens for a reason. And going after this job wasn't, you know, something I was really thinking about at first. Because I, my wife is from Baton Rouge. So when I've heard about Southern, I've I've heard about Southern through her. And her parents were like, they're huge uh, Jaguar fan. And so um, there were some other jobs that were out there. And uh, I just remember talking to her. I remember talking to the coach who helped me. And, uh, like, it just kind of seemed like, I don't know, like, Tetris. Like, everything was stacking together, and it was just fit. It fit nicely, talking to coach and just uh, talking to him during the interview. And then being even being here, like, he hadn't changed a bit. Like he's still the same coach. And I don't know. I, I, I kind of feel like when I say everything happens for a reason, like, I'm supposed to be here. This is where I'm supposed to be. So I don't overthink it. I just... To help these men walk across the stage and win all our football games that's what i try to do here. so i just i think it was just it was meant to be
1: really really cool and the the offer friday hashtag as soon as friday rolls around i just got southern football oh man gifs offers uh kids tweeting at y'all um it's the coolest thing and yeah. i i look forward to it because I get to kind of, you know, piggyback and check out some of the guys y'all are looking at. But uh, how did that all come together? And, you know, what's the what's the philosophy in the room? Because I really feel like you guys got a, a different energy um, when it comes to recruiting. and I, I feel like you guys probably get, you know, probably would have the biggest benefit by being able to go on the road because of it. You know, kids know the Southern logo because it pops up on on the timeline. Honestly, I, I
0: when I got here there was something coach Oden's wanted to do. He wanted to give us enough time to watch film where it's not me watching film and this coach watching film. And then we go to the repro coordinator and say, "Hey, we like the kid. It was a, it was something where we could all watch it together and Friday would be the day to offer. Uh, guys, and he's been doing it for years. And so uh I mean, I love it because it gives me time to watch game film because the process, my process takes forever. And they know it here, but they understand it. I mean, you gotta you just gotta make sure you're getting the right guys, man. Because like I said, if there was no transfer portal, guys would just try and leave and go to another school. But now everybody's jumping into this system and then they're trying to spread out from there. And it's good and bad to it, obviously, you know. Uh but uh I don't know, man. I think uh Alpha Fridays it's cool, but um, just really just uh, something Coach Odom did. Man. I mean, he started
1: putting yourself back in in a student athlete shoes. How do we avoid more kids going into the portal? Because it's been an ungodly amount of kids going in there. When Landon is old enough, your son Landon is old enough to be recruited. Let's let's say he's he's got fifteen offers. Okay, it's just hypothetical here. What is going to be your kind of mo like how are you going to talk him through it and let him make this big life-changing decision and what's what's the way we avoid some of these pitfalls we're seeing right now well
0: i'm gonna let him make the decision on what school he wants to go to i mean i'm going to be there but i'm never going to push him a certain way because i don't want him to go somewhere because it makes me happy i want him to go somewhere because it makes him happy but first thing I would always tell him is make sure you talk to the coach, you know, establish that relationship because that's going to matter. But I'm also going to tell him you need to find some players in that coach's room and you need to talk to them as well. You need to see if everything shakes out here. Now, it's going to be, it's going to be a little tough there because you don't know what the kids think about the coach. But if you talk to enough of them you'll start hearing the same things like this is how coach is boom 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 and all right he may have while he's talking to coach he may have more of an understanding on okay this is what type of person coach is but he's going to have talks to some players on that team and especially in that room because you're going to see that position coach a lot you'll have team meetings but how long does team meetings last but how long does your position coaches meet you got to meet the guys in that room because they'll tell you a whole lot more than maybe that coach will. They may tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly about the coach, but you just, I think you need to, I think it's good for him to reach out and talk to some of the players.
1: That's the best read that you're going to get, the most unfiltered read. Because those guys are in it, you know, because like I'm going to tell you what fits with what you want, you know, like rice can fit a bunch of different people. And I'm going to tailor my message to fit you, right? Like you do the same way with people at Southern. This is really good stuff, dude. And I appreciate you, you know, taking time to jump on this. I know you got meetings tomorrow and uh, all that kind of stuff, but can you talk us through what training camp in January and February feels like Uh, two weeks away ish, a little less than two weeks away. From your first game. Um, how is how is that going?
0: Um, camp has been good, man. It's it's different. Obviously it's different. Uh, COVID, God man, COVID is something I hope goes away quickly because that's the one thing that's been uh the toughest for us, obviously as a football team. I mean, just making sure our guys are not testing and it's tough because you're telling these young men to almost live in a bubble in college and college is really supposed to be some of the best times of your life. So, uh, the training has been good. I mean, these guys work hard here. They're ready to play. I mean, think about going from the fall, thinking you're about to have a season and then boom, that season gets cut. I mean, right now they're ready to get on the field. They've been working hard, obviously, but I think uh, the biggest thing for us this going January, February is uh, making sure you put a really good product on the field because I mean, a, a positive test when you take out four guys, may take eight guys, and so you're really, you're really focusing on not just your starters, you're focusing on your backups, too. Like, everyone needs to be able to get in and play. Like, there can't be a huge drop-off from the ones and the two. Like There has to be, you know, it may be some, but it can't be a huge cliff. It's got to be, you got to make sure that the ones, the twos, the threes, like everyone has to be locked in. And it's hard because you're doing that through Zoom. Meetings are in Zoom, not meeting in the room. So it's been a lot of uh, really mental focus. And these guys have done a good job. I mean, it's been a lot of change, but mentally they've been locked in. So I think that's, that's what's going to help us, just those guys being mentally focused. But it, the last two months, man, it's been tough. Plus you add this winter weather. I mean, it's it's a lot. But mentally, if you guys are right mentally, you still got a shot. Um, but they've done a good job here.
1: How has that changed, like, your, your approach as a coach? Because, like, now that you know at any point in time your star, you know, go-to receiver could be out. Like, how has that changed your mindset in – you know, one-on-ones and seven-on-seven, all those things. Like, how does that change everything? I mean, it, it hasn't changed anything for me because
0: I always focus on everyone, but it also makes you kind of realize, like, you got to have plan A, plan Bs, and it's got to be putting the right guys out there on the field. And so um, for me as a coach, I mean, you always want to, you want all your guys to do well. Obviously, more guys may have more athletic ability, but you gotta also have the guys behind them who may not have as much to really work on what they're not good at. And so, that's probably the biggest change is really looking for the negative. Like, okay, what do you not? What is it he doesn't do very well? And to make sure you work that, so when they get a chance, I mean, obviously, you may not have as much athletic ability as a starter, but I don't want to drop. I don't want to drop off. You got to be able to catch. You still got to be able to block. You may just take you a little longer to get to the end zone. But if you can do everything else, we're fine. If you can get open, see a defense. It's just really pouring into everyone, and not just the guys who are going to play the most snaps. Yeah,
1: and setting like a hey, this is this is the vision of what you could be, and these are steps we got to take to get there.
0: Yeah, yeah. You got to really go through, and you got to look as you're watching film. You're really looking at every one of them. What are their pros, what are their cons? And you're really trying to work everyone to be a really good receiver. For me, to be a really good receiver. And so uh it takes a lot of time, but when you do it right, you feel good about having ones, twos, just in case something happens. God forbid it happens, but you feel good about it. Uh hey, I feel good about playing this guy. I mean, again, he may not, it may take him a little longer to get to the end zone, but I know one thing, he's gonna get open, he's gonna be where he's supposed to be. He understands offense, and so I think that's just important. Just pointing to guys who may feel like, Hey, I'm not gonna play, just letting them understand, COVID real, and you need to be prepared when your number is called because it can be called any day of the week.
1: Yeah, what's one last piece of advice for uh colleges, college recruiters, coaches, uh, before we end this call? Uh. We always talk about relationships, it, and you have to establish
0: relationships. But I think you need to be genuine in that relationship. Don't manufacture it. Let it be organic. Let it be real. Be yourself. Enjoy recruiting because I enjoy it. And I think it's fun getting to know people, getting to know parents, getting to know grandpa and grandma. Like it's I enjoy it. Not all coaches do, but I enjoy it. But be yourself. I guess what I would tell those guys because these young men, especially nowadays, they they want to know who you are. They want to get to know you, especially if they want to come to your school. And I think that they do a good job of uh, once they get to know you, I think they get a good vibe from you or if they get a good vibe from you, they'll know if you're real or not. So you just got to be yourself, be real, have fun with it and uh, be genuine in your relationships. And in who you are?
1: Well, you've uh, you've been very genuine with me ever since we met back at Houston, and I I really appreciate your time, dude. This was fun. I'll let you get back to it. I know you're at the office, so uh, you do your thing, man. Uh, where can we follow you on Twitter? Uh, at Coach Marshall. Well, that was easy. Oh, yeah. All right, partner. You have a good one. Hey, man. Thank you. Thank you.